Like with our young people, we all have a box. If we could switch over now, that would be great, guys. Thanks. We all have a box. And we'll decorate that box with labels and words and ideas about God. And we construct a box for God. And in reality, we quite like putting God in a box. It suits us. We quite like the idea of knowing that we have the lid on God. That we know the boundaries to his character and ways. And we generally prefer not having many surprises with God. We like knowing these edges and corners to him. We like knowing what color he is and so his temperaments. We like the assurance that we understand God. And that God will behave, will behave, according to how we understand him. And we also like the sense of control we have over God by him being in that box. Because being in a box makes God a bit more manageable. We all have a box for God. I have a box for God. People of every culture, of every age, have had a box for God. And 2,000 years ago, when the Holy Spirit came upon the church for the first time, in that moment, something happened. Something totally unexpected and new. Something that was outside of everyone's box. Certain people felt it went too far. And they sneered. And they mocked the disciples. Because these accusers had God in a box. A small, tight, clearly defined box. But Peter stood up and he countered their their allegations, explaining that something new had happened and that what they had heard and seen and experienced was nothing less than God and his kingdom breaking into our world and blowing open their boxes. Friends, friends, Jesus is always seeking to change to expand or even blow apart the box we all have him in so that by his spirit we are led into a deeper relationship with him and into a life of faith that is lived to the full. But that raises the question, who is the Jesus that we each know and follow? What are the names, what are the labels that you would put on your box? How would you describe his character and his ways? Maybe more importantly, would you still keep those labels when life gets tough? When the difficulties of life come along, they confront us with searching questions. And we might echo the words of the psalmist. Where is God. Who is this God I'm called to trust in? What can I be sure of? And any number of things as Annabella prayed can force us to ask those questions. It could be the death of a loved one. It could be the loss of health, work, or a relationship. It could be change. Change in our families, change in society, heaven forbid, 
change in church. All those experiences, all those questions, I can resonate with. I don't come here as just some young lad who's not seen much of life. Because there's been two times in my life at least, in my relatively short life, when I've been left holding the pieces, holding the pieces of my life, of my faith, and wondering, where are you, God? Who are you, God? What can I really be sure of? And it's in the hard times that you come down to focus on the essentials. Because the hard times remind us that much of life in a faith is actually mystery. That there are questions we, we don't have an answer to and we may never get an answer. But there are some questions that can be answered. And in their answer, we find hope for the difficult times and something to cling to when all we're holding otherwise is the broken pieces of our lives and we're asking, where are you, God? And one such answer is given in our passage today. In response to the question, who is Jesus? Peter reminds us and encourages us with these words. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. I like how the NRSV puts it in their translation. Therefore, know with certainty that God has made him both Lord and Messiah, this Jesus whom you crucified. Know with certainty. Be assured. Of what? That Jesus is both Lord and Messiah. But why is that hope for difficult times? How is that anything to cling to 2,000 years after the fact? Well, let's take a moment to think about each of those titles in turn. And we'll start with Jesus being Messiah. Messiah, if you don't know, is that Hebrew title from which we get the English title Christ. It literally means the anointed one or chosen one. And in biblical times, anointing someone with oil was a sign that God was setting apart that person for a particular role. Thus, an anointed one was someone with a special God-given purpose, usually a prophet, priest, or king. But the Old Testament predicted that someone would come, a deliverer would come, someone who would be chosen and set apart by God to set Israel free. And that deliverer was called the Messiah. Is Jesus the Messiah? Peter argues that he is, that he was a man accredited by God to you by miracles wonders and signs which God did among you through him. And in our Bibles, the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke and John are eyewitness accounts of everything or a lot of things actually that Jesus did. He was no ordinary man. And Peter also argues that in the death of Jesus, he's confirmed as the Messiah because he died according to God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. 
Peter wants us to understand here. That the death of Jesus was not some unfortunate defeat of a good man who had no power to save himself. To see Jesus that way is to miss the point entirely. For even though it might look that way, it was in fact brought about because of the foreknowledge, the decision and plan of God. This was no ordinary death of a common criminal or failed religious leader. And to clinch his argument, Peter concludes with one final claim, that Jesus fulfilled these words from David, which were written 1,000 years ago. David wrote, you will not let your Holy One see decay. And resurrecting his son, God the Father vindicates the death of Jesus and confirms that it was not some failed moral revolution, but instead a triumph over the agonizing power of death and sin. So in his life, in his death, and in his resurrection, Jesus is confirmed as the Messiah, the promised one our Savior and our Deliverer, one who is mighty to save, conqueror of sin and death. In Jesus, then, we can find hope. Hope for today and hope for tomorrow. Indeed, hope for all eternity. Because in Jesus, we see the embodiment of God's love and faithfulness. In Jesus, we see the extent that God was willing to go for us, that He loved you and me with a love, a suffering love. And He loved us that way from all eternity, so much so that He made a deliberate plan to send Jesus as our deliverer, as our Messiah. Last time when I was with you, I encouraged you to maybe pick up a copy of The Case for Christ. And in that book, Lee Strobel talks about the odds of Jesus fulfilling the Old Testament prophecies. God was so meticulous and deliberate about his plan with Jesus that he actually made 60 prophecies in the Old Testament about this coming Messiah. And, and Strobel writes about the odds of Jesus fulfilling just eight of those prophecies. Do you want to have a guess at what the odds are? It's worse than the National Lottery. The odds of Jesus fulfilling eight are one in a hundred million billion. That's 17 zeros. One in a hundred million billion. And yet the incredible news the incredible news is that Jesus fulfilled all 60. All 60, not just eight. Basically, it was impossible without divine intervention. And it proves he truly was the Messiah. So in the hard times, when we feel in the grip of darkness, will you remember that Jesus is Messiah? In changing times, when we feel unsettled and fearful, will you remember 
that Jesus is Messiah. When an opportunity comes to take a step of faith and we're tempted just to play it safe and stay comfortable, will you remember that Jesus is Messiah? Years after the event that we read in Acts 2, Peter will write in his first epistle these words, set your hope on Jesus Christ, Jesus the Messiah. Can I ask you, have you set your hope on Jesus, on Jesus the Messiah? It is a choice that you have to make. You choose where you set your hope every day. In the dark times, in the times of asking, where are you, God? Will you choose to set your hope on Jesus? There's nowhere better. There's nowhere surer. No one else has conquered sin and death. No one else offers life in all its fullness and life eternal. So my friends, will you set your hope on Jesus? On Jesus the Messiah? And in addition to that, Paul's, Peter says that Jesus is also Lord. He's convinced of it and so he introduces a strange Old Testament quotation. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. And when we read it and hear it, we're like, what? What is he on? Because that just doesn't make sense. But we have to realize that this is a quote from the Old Testament from Psalm 110. A psalm where it's believed it referred to the Messiah. This anointed one, this coming one. And the Jews understood that the Messiah would be a direct descendant of David. That that is what God promised, and so the Messiah would be a real human being. But David here refers to the Messiah as my Lord, as Adonai, a title you would only ever give to God. And if you look in the New Testament, the Jews didn't really have an answer to that conundrum. And so Peter now makes it clear, this Messiah is a man, but he's also God, and his name is Jesus. And this very Jesus now sits at the right hand of the Father in heaven. He rules in a position of all authority, including over salvation and its blessings. And so it is from Jesus, and by Jesus, and through Jesus that we receive the grace of God. It is as we call on the name of Jesus that we receive salvation. And the impact of that is huge. Because if Jesus is not only Messiah, but Lord, then that means in Jesus we see the reign of God. We see that God is not distant. He's come close. We see that God is not uncaring. He died for love of you and me. And what's more, we see that God is not a figment of imagination or superstition as our culture predominantly thinks nowadays. But God is alive. 
God is real. He is a person you can, can know. And he's not just any God. He's not every God. He is Jesus. The Jesus of the Bible. And no other but he is truly God. In the hard times, in changing times, is that the Jesus you turn to? Or is your picture or your labels on the box simply that Jesus is a man or a good teacher? And he was those things, my friends. He was a man. And he was a good teacher. But if that's all you're going to put on that box, your picture of Jesus falls so far short. In fact, I'd go as far as to say, you have been shortchanged. Whoever has led you to that conclusion, they have shortchanged you. If the only labels you put on that box is that Jesus is a man, a myth, or just a good teacher. Because you're missing out. You're missing out on knowing the true Jesus. The Jesus who is Lord. And maybe, maybe that doesn't sound much to you. You may even conclude that, well, if Jesus is God, to be quite honest, he's doing a pretty poor job. You might think that. And you wouldn't be alone in that. People of every age have thought that. Peter, people of Peter's day would have thought that because for, Jesus, for Peter to claim that Jesus is Lord was startling news, ridiculous news, to be quite frank, laughable news. And every, because everyone knew that Jesus had been crucified. And they also knew that if you were crucified, if you hung from a tree, you were under the curse of God. So how could that man be Lord? How could that man be Messiah? But appearances can be deceiving. For despite appearances, God was working his purposes out in Jesus. Death did not have the final say. That cross by which all accounts should have been the end of Jesus was his finest moment. Friends, in the hard times, in the times of asking, where is God? We can come to Jesus, who is Lord and Messiah. For despite all other appearances and all other claims, the testimony across the generations is that he is Messiah and Lord. And it's in him we can find true hope for the dark times and someone to cling to when all, all we're left with is the broken pieces of life. And it's him that I've went to when my life has fallen apart. And it's him who's been my rock when everything else is unsteady and unsure. So my encouragement to you this morning is allow your box to be expanded. Allow some extra labels to go on there and come afresh to Jesus even now and set your hope on him, our Messiah and Lord.
Let us pray. How we respond to God's word this morning will be very individual for each of us. And I just want to give you a little space for a few moments just to be with God. And I just ask for a little bit background music because sitting in silence we don't find easy. And it's something we should grow into. to step 